How old will you wait for your daughter to be to let her go on the subway? Oh, on her Alone? own? Yeah. Yeah, like 25. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually the most Arab dad I've ever yeah, met. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. I know. Like, <laughs> Ask Jenny. Jenny will be like that 30. Be, dude, that should be the name of your special. <laughs> Mike Birbiglia, Arab dad. You're the Arab dad. You're the Arab dad, yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> You know how fast my career would end if I called my special The Arab Dad? No, just tell people I said it was okay. <laughs> that is the voice of the great Rami Youssef. Rami is one of my favorite comics on this planet. He is uh, hes obviously an extremely prolific writer, a creator, now a director. We talk about that on the show today. Uh, amazing stand-up comedian. He's one of our original guests on the show way back in 2020, and he is back. If you're able to see him on tour, he is kind of everywhere right now. He's in Chicago. He's in Paris. He's in London. He's like, I would check on Instagram, at Rami, R-A-M-Y. He is going everywhere, and if you can see him live, absolutely take advantage of that opportunity because he is he's absolutely one of the very best stand-up comedians. Um, I'm actually announcing a huge tour uh, right now, this week. It's called the Please Stop the Ride Tour, which is a reference to a, a joke from my girlfriend's boyfriend about being on the scrambler. And it's, uh, it's all new material. It's a whole new hour that is different, completely different from the old man in the pool. I'm so excited about it. I'll be in Boston, and then I'll be in Big Sky, Montana. I'll be in Vancouver, Seattle, Walla Walla, Washington, Portland, Oregon. I'll be in St. Petersburg, Florida, Jacksonville, Orlando, Miami, Aspen Vale, Fort Collins, Denver, Dallas, Texas, Houston, San Antonio, Troy, New York, Rochester, New York, Toronto, Toronto, Atlanta, Charlotte, Richmond, and then back to Washington, D.C. at the Warner Theater. I'm going to be at the D.C. Improv also at the end of November. So I'm going to have two trips to Washington, D.C. You might be asking, should I go to the D.C. Improv show and the Warner Theater show? I think so. And my inclination is one of them is in November, one of them is in June. The show is going to be a lot different. I mean, it's fundamentally going to be the Please Stop the Ride tour, but I, but I think it's going to be a lot different, and it's going to be, you know, working it out. You'll see the whole process. Uh, all of this is on Burbigs.com. Tickets at Burbigs.com, and if you join the mailing list, you'll be the first to know about the pre-sale, which is how you get the best seats to all of these shows. I love this episode with Rami today. One of my favorite episodes we've ever done. We talk about the stand-up comics who influenced him, the family members who influenced him, his uncles, very funny uncles. We talk about the positive representation of his culture and, and prayer. He's such a smart person, such a big heart, and of course, one of the funniest people who, who I've ever known. Enjoy my conversation with the great Rami Youssef. So you're, you're directing some episodes of Rami an episode of The Bear. Yeah. So, like, do you think you're going to direct movies? I'd love to. Yeah. That's kind of... That's what I'm feeling. I'm excited, too. It's kind of what has been... It just excites me. You know, yeah. in the, in the, you know, like, you kind of do a bunch of pieces of it. And I think, you know, you know this, too. Like, you've starred in stuff and written stuff and directed stuff and done all of that. And then it's like, you you do so many pieces of it and then 
yeah, I'm never going to say I wouldn't want to do all of them, but the more it starts to like whittle down to how do I want to spend my, like our precious time that we have while we're here. I'm like, all right. So like, if I'm actually making time a commodity, like what's the thing that I really want to spend it on? And I have so much fun directing. It's really, really fun. Yeah. What, what was the first thing you directed your series, your own series? Yeah. Like first thing where there was money on the line that wasn't mine. You know, I think growing up, uh, I loved, you know, I would direct little music videos and do this and that. And, you know, in high school, like me and my buddy, Steve Way, who's, you know, on my show, uh, we just, we, there was a TV program at our high school that we like expanded it into a three-year program. Like when oh, wow. we started, it was a year and a half program. And we just kept being like, wait, we need more classes. We want to do more. And so they kind of stretched it out for us. Yeah. And we kind of are the like known as the alumni who did that for that TV program. Yeah. But it did a lot for us, you know, because yeah. it taught us how to make things and edit and do all of that. So it was something I always kind of really wanted to do. And then, yeah, I was in a situation where I had a budget and we had all the stuff and I got to do it. Your show is <laughs> semi-autobiographical. If you call it Rami, it's like, it's like what are you going to do? <laughs> it's yeah. it's kind of you. Like, even if you said it wasn't yeah, you, it's, it's like, kind of you. Tough luck, bro. But it's, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, what's the thing that you could do on your series that you're like, I can't do that as a stand-up bit? Because it's like literally me on stage saying the thing. You know, it, it's like... I think things get to collide and build up in a way that they never could on stage. It's There's not like a topic I don't think I couldn't do on stage or the seed of a thing I yeah. couldn't do on stage. I could talk about anything, you know, but, you know, the storylines and the way that they can, the impact can be huge. Um, yeah, I would never do on stage. And then there's certain things that I find funny that just wouldn't even sound good coming out of my mouth and you get to give it to different characters. You know, like uh, there's something like certain jokes or things that I feel that I'm like, oh, this would sound, I find this funny because it's the kind of thought my dad would have. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, cool. I get to like give it to my dad. You know, we yeah. had this one scene. It's one of my favorite scenes we've ever shot where um, the dad is explaining to the mom, to his wife, that he has broken down the lyrics of one of President Obama's chosen songs on his Spotify playlist. And it's this song by Bad Bunny. So he went online and he looked up the Spanish translation and then he turned all of the translation into like, English that supports theories of the Quran. And then he's like telling her Obama is trying to use coded Spanish language to bring people to Islam because of course he's Muslim. His name is Barack Hussein Obama. It's, I mean, it's one of my favorite scenes we've ever shot. It would kind of make sense if I said it on stage. But to put these two people in a car who are on the brink of divorce and she's really frustrated with him. And then he's like, I've been breaking down the lyrics of Obama's (laughs) Spotify playlist. Like that's the kind of shit where I'm like, Oh, this is why it's so fun to make a show because it's like you can get in on these little granular things. And, you know, it's like what we love doing in comedy, making small things so much bigger than they are and then kind of rooting them in relationship. And I think what you, the relationships you can see on a show, uh, they're so much more vivid and alive than the relationships you could talk about on stage. You know, that's that's what's really fun for me. Yeah, I think that's true. I think the reason why... Like, I feel like I'm so obsessed with film is like it feels often like a snapshot of time for that group of people. So like the scene you're talking about in the car, it's like, that's not just from your brain. It's from the actor's brains and and their souls. And it's it's what the art department's bringing to it. It's what the camera department, it's all kind of, 
a snapshot in time. Yeah. And like you're saying, like you can't quite express that in stand-up. You can no. get close. To the point you're making, it's almost like a written scene is like a prompt. So it's like, what's that going to bring out of the actor? Yeah. What's that going to bring out of the art department? Yeah. Because they're going to put something in the room that you didn't tell them to put in. Oh, absolutely. And then you're going to go and you're going <laughs> to, you know, for better or for worse. But when it's for better, which a lot of the times my experience has been, it's almost always for better, where you're like, oh, whoa, like, it's kind of about that. I didn't even realize it's about that. Oh, absolutely. You know, I didn't even, you know, but but the prompt, like a, a good scene on paper will prompt the best out of everybody who's involved in making it. And that's really fun. There's this great, uh, I listen to Script Notes podcast. It's Craig Mazin and John August. And Craig Mazin says this thing I think is great, which is like- I love Craig, dude. Isn't he great? Dude. Yeah, yeah, he's great. So smart. But he he says this thing, which is like that, that filmmaking is- biology and television is chemistry in a certain mm. sense where biology is just an experiment. You put these things together and it's like, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work. Wow. <laughs> and chemistry it's like, you got season two, you wow. got season three, you got season four. Let's try this, let's try this. That's so cool. What is with your, what with your series do you feel like you're learning and it's better than season one? Yeah, that's Is there so anything cool. like that? Tone. Tone. You know, like just digging into tone more, you know, and, and in a way, something we've done on the show is kind of, we, we've not been beholden to preserving the season one tone. That's interesting, um, yeah. And, and then, you know, make season two, it has stuff from season one tone, but it's also its own year. Season three, it's its own year. And, and, and in a way, season three for me was like the combination of season one and two tones, you know, put, yeah. put, into, put into three, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, for it's 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 because I think someone like Larry David, you know, he kind of picked his like this is the tone, this is the formula, and those comedies are so good, right? Because yeah. they never change. So I, I feel like there's like a real, there's two types of comedy. There's the one where the characters never change. So the comedy, like they'll do anything but change their problem, right? Like yeah. every character has a problem. So what's so funny about Seinfeld is like no one in that show is interested in fixing themselves. Yeah. They want to fix the world around them to yes. fit how they are. <laughs> that's right. You know, and that's why it is powder keg repeatedly funny. And then I think obviously there's a whole wave of comedies that I would consider my show being part of um, where, no, the character is kind of like going through changes. Yeah. Their scenario around them is shifting. And then that's kind of where the drama comes in. But then there's also the comedy because there's no fear in going into any topic, right? Like, and there's no fear in like being needing to be taken too seriously, even if the emotions are serious. So you kind of get the drama narrative elements of a character growing, shifting, dealing, but you also get the comedy of, you know, yeah, we're not afraid to kind of try anything or do anything. Right. Yeah. And so the more we've made the show, the more I'm aware of how the characters work, but also what risks are worth taking. And then you take certain risks and then you kind of, new risks are born out of the old risks that worked or didn't what, work. What are you, like when, what is the most uncomfortable you've ever felt shooting your series? Um, we, it's uh, a good question. I mean, there's two things that, that really stick out to me. One was honestly just the first time we filmed me, my character, uh, praying, mm. right? Because that's something that I do and yeah. I grew up doing and I had this weird feeling of, wow, now I'm doing it for a show. You know, it, it's it's such a, 
kind of personal thing and then you put it out there in a certain way. But then it was so clear to me, you know, at a certain point when I was dealing with it, where I was like, man, the only time people have ever seen this on screen, it's usually followed with like, you know, finish the prayer and then like pick up a rifle, you know? Oh and and that's the imagery, you know, of what we do that Western media has seen. And I was like, you know, I have to kind of eat this discomfort um, for the reality that like doing this and then going to a diner and post gaming about a date. Right. And then going to work at a startup, you know, all these things that are in our show right. to know that this act is part of the fabric of a life that, you know, in, in some ways people are familiar with and in some ways is different, but to just understanding that it would ground it in a human act, you know, and I think there's yeah. like a, uh, in general part of what, um, you know, is there for Arabs, Muslims in every landscape and in, 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 in whatever it is, there, there's a level of dehumanization. And so I had to kind of understand like, okay, if I'm, if there's any little contribution I'm making, which uh, you would be genuinely shocked at how little of a contribution I actually think I'm making. I really don't think, I, I, I genuinely think it's like, we're making jokes, we're trying, like we're doing our thing. I'm not gonna put any importance on it. I'm just gonna say there's a bit of a humanization hopefully that we're giving. So, so it was uncomfortable for me, but I was like, ah, but it, you know, maybe it does, like puts a, a more positive image for somebody, you know? No, I think that's, I think that's exactly what it is. I yeah. mean, it's like when I see a great performance in anything, and the and the actor just gives themselves to yeah. it. You just go, well, that's a gift, and it yeah. doesn't matter if it's Meryl Streep and it's like their salary is whatever. Like it's still they're giving themselves to yes. the thing, and it's like uh, I don't know when you when you pray on screen, it's like you, it's exactly what you're saying. It's yeah. it's a gift to people to see that in that way. And, and in an honest depiction. Yeah, and just like, this is what it is. This is what it looks like. These are all the things that surround it. And it's not, you know, something, it's not what you might've thought it was, you know. So so we're researching you the last couple of days in the office. And then it's like, you're married, but then it's like, it's like you're secretly married. Like, and I know you're married and we can cut this out if you want, but it's like, I know you, I met your wife. This is like, what is this, what is this charade? And then it's like he says in some interviews that he's married, but then he doesn't say. I'll say it in any interview, of All course. Right. Yeah, very married. Okay. But you know what it is? It's like, <laughs> this is, it's really funny. It's a big I've discussion seen those, here. Today. No, I've seen those articles where it's like Rami Yusuf's secret marriage. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's a weird thing because it's like, on, on like, yeah, I mean, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life. And it's almost why I'm like, yeah, you guys, you're not seeing her. You know, it's like, it's almost this thing of like, bring her to a red carpet, like bring her to a thing, like take a photo. And I'm like, she, she's not interested, honestly. She's just kind of yeah. like, she's like, you, that's your job. And then we have our life, you know, and it's like that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I don't, you know, I don't like, it, it, it's really so funny that I saw that art. I saw there's like a couple articles that are oh, like, yeah. and and uh, the publications I read regularly. All I anyway. know, well, I yeah, know yeah. you're always on the Sun <laughs> and um, CelebrityNetworth.net, you know, which is always very accurate. <laughs> Underscore net, yeah, dot yeah, net, yeah. you know. That's where you go on. And you're like, they think I'm that poor. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have much more. No, it's oh, not. Gosh. But um, yeah, dude, I am the best. I've known single Rami and I've yes. known, I, now I know married Rami. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, you're, it's exciting. I'm <laughs> thrilled. Um, you, have a, you and I have a thing in common, which is we both appear to be calm on stage. Yeah. And 
Ira Glass was on this podcast for the 100th episode and he called me on it. He goes, you're not calm in real life. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and I'm going to similarly call you and you. Yeah. My response to him was, I actually am calm on stage, yeah. but I'm not calm in life. And that's, yeah, that, yeah. that can exist. But yeah. what's your take on yourself? Because you're very relaxed, like what, like on stage. And then in person, like I move around a lot. Is that what it is? You move around and you're like, I would say off stage, you're hyper-focused. Oh, interesting. I think of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And on stage, it's more just like- Relaxed kind of. What are we of. doing? What are we talking about? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think it's why I like, well, it's funny. This hyper-focus thing is something that comes up. It's, I, I really- I'm never going to get tested for ADHD. <laughs> Me neither. I'm never going to do it. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm not, I, it's like, I'm not going to join. <laughs> am I? I'm not going to join. Am I? That's so probably, offensive. That's probably, so offensive. How dare I, you? I'm positive I am. But Speaking I'm not, on behalf of the ADHD community, I'm not joining. of which I'm not officially no, a part. I love you guys. And I'm, I'm, and I'm probably one of you. <laughs> I'm not I gotta joining be. is so offensive. I know, is it? It might be, but no, no, I'm just kidding. All love. <laughs> what you're describing is exactly how I felt for so long, but I've felt afraid to express it. I just refuse to be diagnosed. You know, like I don't, I don't want, I don't like, uh, I'm sure it's freeing. I'm sure a diagnosis would be freeing. I'm sure we all are to some degree. But the thing about being on stage is like, I, it goes, you know, it's actually what we were talking about earlier with this like gratitude for the audience and this respect for the audience. Like I get up there and I'm like, oh, all I have to think about is the thing that I'm, stand up for me is like, okay, I'm going to come on stage with something that I'm battling with. Yeah, That's what's interesting to me. Yeah. I'm battling with something and I've figured out a way to make it funny before I have found the answer Yes. that I'm looking for. Yes. And I'm going to share essentially Amen. what is like a mid process with you. And so I have respect for presenting that battle. And then I have respect for you guys all put your shoes on. So like- What's you, your put your shoes on? You put your shoes on. You came out to see me. You right. put your shoes on. Like, I don't give a fuck when someone's like, I watched your show. I hate it. I'm like, you didn't even put your shoes on. Like you don't even like, you don't even like, you're just sitting there. You watch like, you watch like seven minutes and you're like, nah. Like you didn't put your shoes on. These people with their shoes on, they're here. They respect- what I might do, you know? So I, I'm loose by that nature. Cause I'm like, you already love me. You know what I mean? Like you're here. Even if it's not my audience, I'm like, you, you want to love me. Oh, I you like showed that. up cause you want to love me. This is great. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm chill. Listen to this all day. Do I even chill. have to talk? So I'm chill. I just want to listen to this. I was here. No, it's like, I'm, I'm chilling. Like you already love me. You put, you came, you're invested in loving me. I'm going to show you this thing I'm working on, but I'm chill. Yeah. Off the stage. I don't know. Like I'm like this guy's trying to sell me something. Yeah. This I got That's a family right. member calling me. They got to right. talk about some random shit. Right. This person, I'm like, listen, I don't. I got to fill out a form for the city because yeah. they broke my fence. <laughs> if whatever. I give you my like relaxed thing, I, I I have this fear that you you know I'll never even I'll never even leave the house. You know what I mean? So it's like I just gotta like focus and and do it. But you know I'm working on being more present even when I'm not on stage. You know, um, but you are. I don't think you're not present. I I think you're present. I am. No, I I. But but I don't know. There's something. You know what I did do? I um. Which I, I, a lot of people are doing this, and and I just jumped on it. But I uh I went to upgrade my phone, my iPhone, and then while I was there, I bought a flip phone. 
So now I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, for it's my the best. For I'm because I'm writing a movie right now, and I'm yeah. like, I I can't have iPhone iPhones and writing a movie do not can't coexist. Do so I just have flip like because it was this thing where I was like, wait, am I going to transition to flip phone? And then I was like, no, just I have flip phone days, and then I have iPhone days. Yeah, so much easier. So it's like because I had this paranoia. I was I was leaving the house without my phone. And you know how it is. We'll find like any excuse to not write. Right. So I'd leave the house to write and then I'd be like, I'd be out. And then my mom was sick for a bit. And so I'd have this paranoia mm. that, because I had this one morning I woke up where I had like 17 missed calls. Yes. And then, you know, anytime your phone is 17 missed calls from family, you're yeah, like yeah. something really bad happened. Yeah. So I had this paranoia now to not have the phone because I'm like, well, what if family calls? So I have this phone, only five people have the number yeah. and that's it. Yeah. So it's like, I don't have to worry about that. If someone was in trouble, those they'd the call the phone. Those are the five people I love and I don't love those other 12 people. <laughs> well, the, the thing about the five people is they <laughs> are me, attached the names to of the, the other. They're attached to the other people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I cornered you. You got me, you know? That's what this podcast is all about. Corner me. It's all about who- You're the, not on the flip phone, who are bro. The yeah, exactly. Who's on the flip? Yeah, who's, who's on, on the, the flip? Who's on the flip? Who's on know? the flip phone? Working It Out is brought to you in part by Thrive Market, which is an online grocery store that specializes in healthy, organic, sustainable products. You go to thrivemarket.com. You take a quiz. Quizzes are fun, right? How about a quiz that helps you eat healthier? You answer a few questions about the way you shop for groceries, and then you got a whole customized selection of items. It's tailored specifically to your lifestyle, your favorite foods, your dietary preferences, all that kind of stuff. Uh, here at the office, it's our go-to for all of our grocery and household essentials. When you join Thrive Market, you are helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash thrivemarket.com slash Support for Working It Out comes from Allbirds. You know I love Allbirds. My character on Billions wears Allbirds. The Mike Birbiglia character in my last two Broadway shows and specials, Where's Allbirds? I, in my real life, walking around Brooklyn, wear Allbirds. Warmer temps mean super light styles. This is a new thing for them. Meet the super light collection. Allbirds' lightest ever shoes, now in fresh colors. A lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these some of the most packable styles ever I love these shoes. I just throw them in my backpack. My wife makes fun of me. Jenny makes fun of me because I essentially pack nothing for trips. I go one backpack. Allbirds make the cut. Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit allbirds.com and use code WIO. That's for working it out. WIO for a free pair of socks with a purchase of 48 bucks or more. That's allbirds.com. A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com. Code WIO. That's for working it out. (laughs) 
we talked last time you were on the podcast about like what your brain notices mm. is what your comedy is basically. Mm. And mm. it's like, what are you noticing now? Like what is like burning in you? I'm noticing a lot of stuff in my relationship, obviously. You know, it's like, it's a new thing being in, being married, being, married, being in yeah. something like really, Being in a you know, secret marriage that being in a, <laughs> you're not allowed to talk about. Being a secret marriage that, um, you know, is he married.net is unaware of. They don't have a photo. Um, but I am going to talk about it in, 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 in my next hour. So it'll yeah. be very public, you know, on yeah. the level. Um, Feelings part two. More feelings. More feelings. That's, I guess, the name of the tour. I haven't really named the hour yet, but maybe it'll be the name of the hour. I like it. as It's, it's kind of cool. Huh? I like it. What do you it. think? I you like think the continuity of it. Yeah. I like the continuity of it, and I think, like, it expresses actually what stand-up comedy is in a certain way. I appreciate that, because you know what it is? I always liked the title Feelings because I, I was actually battling with... Um, I was battling with how much I like to do. I like to talk about politics yeah. in my comedy, but I don't want to have to speak about politics in any sort of eloquent, factual way. So, <laughs> factual part, way. like, I don't, I don't want to be held to like any of that. Right. And so, what I realized was, it's really all just my feelings. So it's right. like, you know, there's nothing to be taken other than the fact that it is my feelings. And so, uh, I, I loved the title, and then I was just like, well, this is just more of that. <laughs> I think that's really interesting because that's like my biggest gripe with comedy criticism currently is when people get upset about comedy. I'm always just like, yeah, it's just that person's feeling about the thing. It doesn't doesn't really matter. Yeah. Unless, I mean, without getting into the weeds on specific people, unless that person sways an entire generation to feel a certain way. But my inclination is that they were heading there. Yeah. And it wasn't someone's joke about it. Yeah, I think, you know, um, my issue with, I, I would say most artistic criticism is the um, the responsibility that's being put on the art to be, uh, we, we've kind of done this thing where we're asking artists and art to do what, leadership in government doesn't do. Yeah. And and so there's this kind of weird thing that's just like we, we won't even write a press article about a lying politician anymore, but we'll write it more about someone we perceive to be like a lying comedian. You know, it, it's like the 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 things are like flipped. It's like wait 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 you know, we're used to politicians, you know, doing this, this, and this, but like, you're a comedian. You're supposed to be like a voice for truth. And right. it's like, dude, we don't go, we don't finish college. Like, like I don't, like, I don't, like, like dude, this is we don't finish college. We don't finish college. We don't finish college. Dude, I, I, I've had, like, I had someone be like, dude, you miss, you know, and, and, and look, I'm also learning a lesson though from critiques I've gotten. I, I, like again, I'll talk about politics in a funny way in my stand-up. I'm not gonna talk about anything that political on interviews anymore because I'm like, you know what? Like someone will be like, you said this thing and it wasn't right. And I'm like, you're right. It wasn't right. Yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> and maybe I either should say less or be really clear about like I actually don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So I'm I'm very, you know, open to that. So I like criticism in a sense because it'll either teach me or it'll guide me to a certain way to be like closer to myself or closer to what I'm actually trying to say. Yeah. Uh, the only type of criticism I don't like is just that it has this extra tinge of like, you have failed society right. by doing such, which is like, that's not true because you know what? 
there's so much fucking content. Like I'm, f- we're all fighting to get anyone to watch what we're making anyway. Right. So it's not like we're not in the era anymore where it was like Cosby and you know more more black kids went to college because they watched right. the Cosby Show. Right. That's over. That was <laughs> right. that That's was over. like there were nine channels or however many there were. Even if there were twenty or thirty channels, you were gonna were watch like, something yeah. that was on TV. It doesn't work that way anymore. Like my yeah. show doesn't speak to people who don't know anything about yeah. Islam or who hated Islam yeah. and then watch it. No, it speaks to people who are open-minded. Maybe they don't know, but it, for the most part, like we're all like kind of preaching to our choir because there's so much content. Like they're just going to go where they feel like they want to be. Right. So my job always feels like what nuance could I provide to my own choir? So it's like, here's my audience, but I'm going to challenge them. But I don't think I'm like pulling over that many people who, who hate the idea of what I do. Right, you know? right, right, right. The the thing that I find interesting about about your show and your act in relationship to Islam and like you know because is that most comedians are either agnostic or yeah. atheist or yeah, some yeah. variation on lapsed Catholic. I, in my case, kind of lapsed Catholic. Yeah, and so it's like you're like you pray, you practice, yeah, and you're open about kind of talking about it. Do you ever feel like? there's a line you can't cross. Because well, I feel like so much of what we do as comedians is just cross lines, cross lines, cross lines, or go really close to the line. Yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, it's it's kind of an easy one. It's like, I don't make fun of religion. I kind of make fun of myself within it. Yeah. Uh, for two reasons. One is like, the critiques of, of, of like religious culture are all very valid. Yeah. Um, and they're out there. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is it's kind of hacky. <laughs> like it's like actually to make like, fun of religion. It actually, yeah, it's like yeah. actually like just from a pure comedy perspective to make fun of religion is very like it's like okay, that's like what everybody right. does. You, you believe in a magical like, person in the yeah, sky yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We've, like heard that that we've heard that a hundred times. Hundred times. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like it's actually a hacky joke, but but it is a line for me in the sense that I'm like, yeah, I'm not. That's not. It's just not interesting to me, right? You know? And I think my biggest comedic line became at some point. I don't even remember the joke because it was so inconsequential. I just remember the show I once had at this bar show in Brooklyn where I like all day, I had this idea for a joke. I wish I could remember it, but I remember being like, oh man, I think this is going to be funny. Yeah. And then I went up and it so didn't hit. And then on the ride home, and this was the time when I used to ride home to Jersey. You know, I was using yeah. my mom's car. Oh, wow. So I'd be in the car, I'm driving back to Jersey. Those drives were the best because I think so much, you know, because there's something about like paying to go through the Lincoln Tunnel where like <laughs> yeah, you really yeah. feel like this set better be worth it. <laughs> you know, I like I went through the Lincoln Tunnel and I'm driving back and I'm like, man, I don't even care about what I said. I just said it because I thought it would be funny. Yeah. So the biggest line for me is like, if I don't care at, on some level about what I'm, and it could be silly, yeah. but it has to hit something that I feel about the human condition in some level. Yeah. And if it doesn't, and I just said it because I thought it would be funny or I thought it would be clever, yeah, I, that's my line. Like I can't do that. Cause yeah. I need to feel like if I don't get a laugh, I still have like my dignity. <laughs> when you, like you have such, you your your style is like laid back. Is that is that from people you know growing up or comedians you watched? It's interesting because I actually like now that I'm getting into my making my second special, I I couldn't watch the whole thing. I don't know how you feel. I can't really watch my old stuff, but I watched. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Oh yeah, it's hard. I watched some stuff from my first special, and 
the way I'm doing it now is totally like, it's obviously totally still me, but it's like, I think I'm way more comfortable. So for me, sometimes stillness, you know, and this actually goes back to your earlier question. Sometimes it's like, when I'm nervous, I actually seem really calm. Mm. And so when I was younger, I would always get this where people would be like, dude, you're so chill. And I'd be like, really? Like I was actually pretty nervous. Like <laughs> I can't believe like you thought I was that chill. When I'm really comfortable, I'm calm, but I move more, yeah. you know? And so what I've noticed is, cause I filmed myself um, a bit, you know, as I've been on the road, I was like, oh, I'm moving more. Like I feel like I actually look more like myself. That's you know, so in my first special, huh. My first special is totally me. Like it's like, it's not, you know, but but I do think, um, and I think I was in the round and I was kind of like focusing on moving in a different way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm like really excited to shoot my second one. Cause it's it's a bit, it's it's a, it feels a bit more like myself, I guess. Who did you, like who's the first standup you ever saw live? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I used to go, I'm trying to, I, I remember the first standup I obsessed over watching which was Carlin. That was like my- no kidding. That was like everything, me and my uncle obsessively way before I should have. Wow. You know, that like- Like 10 years old or something. Literally 10 years old. Oh, wow. I'm watching Carlin. Yeah. yeah. With my uncle. And and that was where, and my uncle kind of talks like Carlin. Like he's oh. really, my uncle talks in premises. <laughs> yeah. He's really funny. Like he hit me with this, with this like, like he'll say stuff that I'm just dying. Like he goes- What's up with Donald Trump's son? Just has he been thirteen the whole time? Dude, he, he's so like funny. it's so funny. Like he literally <laughs> goes, the kid has never aged. Isn't that the funniest premise? Isn't that the funniest premise? He literally goes, the kid has never aged, and I died. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard a different age on him. Like I know he's gotten older. Like it's like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like we're talking about Baron, right? Dude, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. It's so funny. <laughs> his young son, like he's like, but he's not, and he's right because he's probably in college. He's probably or something. 18, but yeah, he's yeah. like, as far as we know. <laughs> you know I mean, that, that's so funny. No, no, it's got nothing he's, to do with the kids' intelligence. It's got nothing It's literally. It's like it's about insulting the joke him. is about like reporting. Yeah. Like he's literally like the kid's just been 13 <laughs> the whole. <laughs> the whole term, <laughs> and it, it just it made me laugh so much. Are you so doing much. this on stage? No, I never have. Oh, you like, should I do just, this. Like, it's you so... should do this. I think potentially <laughs> you should just. And I don't even know where you go with it because it's so funny it's on so its own. Funny. It's but it is one of those things where like. Sometimes in life we are out as comedians, we're outdone by yeah. the people who are non-comedians in our lives. They're just that's so funny. No, no, but like when my when I walk into a room with my uncles, they're like, I'm a fraud. Because they're, they're like, we're funnier than you. Like yeah, they you know it. They're yeah. like, whatever you're doing out there, like you're just it's our energy. You know? That's so funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're just like, so so they, I mean, they're so funny, dude. Like I like love that. My, my uncles How and my uncles? mom in a room. Um 11, I have a lot 12? of I have a bunch of uncles, but the uncles I grew up with are two, you know, who were lived in New York. Yeah. Everyone else lives overseas. Yeah. Um, between Egypt and Switzerland. Oh wow. We have like our family there. Uh, um, but they're so funny. So so he talks like Carlin. Yeah. And like, you know, so his style is really ripped from Carlin. Yeah. You know, my style is obviously nothing like Carlin or my uncle's. But um, live, 
so I lived in Jersey, you know, until I moved to LA when I was 20. So when I was like 17, I used to take my mom's car. I'd go to UCB uh, oh, back when it was back on Mercedes. Yeah. And uh, I'd go see Whiplash. On 26th Street, yeah. So in my mind, I feel like the first comic I ever saw live that I was like, holy shit, stand-up comic was Sean Patton. Oh, like, yeah. I remember going to see Patton hosting Whiplash at some point, And I was just like, this guy yeah, he's is a great so comic, yeah. fucking funny. Like, and to this day, he's one of my favorite comics. Yeah, he's I'm hilarious. Like, he, he just made everything funny in yeah. this way that, you know, kind of blew my mind. Those shows were, I got to do it right before UCB shut down, UCB Chelsea. Yeah. Which I don't know what year that was. Might have been seventeen or something or eighteen. I just remember doing Whiplash there, and it was one of the last like two, three shows. Oh wow! And it it like filled something in my heart yeah. where I was like, oh my god! Like when I used to go at seventeen or eighteen, I didn't even think I would do stand up. Yeah, because at that point I was writing things and shooting sketches and doing that kind of thing. I kind of yeah. thought you know, so stand up looked like a pure magic trick to me. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't know how anyone does that. Do you still have the, are you doing the bit that we talked about on the podcast a few years ago about your dad and therapy? It's so interesting. I, I've i lately been wondering if it's going to stay in the special. I think it's so funny. I know, it really makes me laugh. Yeah. It makes me laugh, but I'm having this hard time. Uh, I was like, I think I need to clarify what I'm trying to say about my dad. Because my Wait, dad so is- say it again in case people didn't hear well, it. So, 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 I, so I had this bit about just like my dad. Um, it's kind of, it's such a long bit now, but the, 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 the essence of the bit is, is um, you know, he's, he's basically like, you know, why are you seeing a therapist? You know, like you're paying a guy to talk. Yeah. You know, like pay me, talk to me. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, well, that doesn't work. It's like, I'm talking- I'm talking to him because of you. <laughs> like yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. like that that it's exchange great. doesn't that exchange doesn't work. And then and then he started crying. It was the first time I ever seen him crying uh-huh. in my life. Um, not because of anything he did, but because he created an expense. That's like he couldn't funny. like he couldn't believe you know funny. that you know they did that. But you know the 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 funny thing about it is I know the money part rubs him, but the thing is is like he actually is really emotionally open. Oh, so I started it. to have this thing where I was like, I know my dad thinks it's weird I pay for therapy, but ultimately it doesn't really bother him. But it's funny on stage, but there was this part of me that was like, I need it to lead to something else I'm saying. That, oh, interesting. Like, so you, you think, it, oh, okay. So you think it needs to lead to a larger point? Yeah, or something like more, I guess more sincere about him because I want him to see it and like love it. Oh, interesting. You know, like I want him to, I don't want to. I feel that's a question, by the way, I get from young comedians all the time, which yeah. is basically like, what do I do? when I want to talk about my family and this yeah. person, and my wife and my wife, you know, I'm a husband, whatever. And I want to be honest, but yeah. also respectful. I always say, it's just like, you have to navigate that. Like, that's like, good luck. Like, that's our whole lives. No, I heard Mike answer this question in person and he said, fuck them. Like, I remember that's I, true. I, that was Once. at the cellar. Mike Once. goes, man, fuck Once. those people. No, no, it was an isolated <laughs> incident. I was sued. It was a civil, <laughs> it was a civil suit I lost. <laughs> I heard you I'm say I'm being fuck forced him. to sell my car. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it happens. It happens. It, it happens. happens. Man. No, no, we all know it happens. Um No, so yeah, we're constantly working like my first stand-up hour and my first season of my show. Yeah. My parents had never seen me do stand-up other than 5 minutes on Colbert. Oh my god. I kept everything from them. Wow. Because I was 
I respect what they think so much yeah. and I didn't want to hurt their feelings. And I knew if they were uncomfortable with anything that I was saying, I would probably change it. So I was like, let me just do this without showing them. I was, it was one of those things like, it's better to just ask for forgiveness later than- Well, it's, I mean, I always say the analogy for me is it's stripping. Mm. It's being, it's being a stripper, being a comedian. (laughs) And you don't want your, you don't want to invite your friends to your first 10 times being a stripper. But you want them there the 12th time you strip. Maybe 12 or 13th time. 12, 13th time, you're you're ready. When you're rocking it. Once you've picked your song. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, got, you've got your song. You, you got to have a song that really works for you. You got the right song, the right thong, the right everything. Yeah, you, you're ready. You got the right nice outfit, and you, there's yeah. some, some kind of energy that you happens. You got to flow with you, the DJ. Very important. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, oh, are you doing the Jacksonville story on stage these days? Where the woman said about Islam, we don't do that here? No, you're like reminding me of a lot of my bits. No. Yeah, we, t- you t- we talked about it on the podcast yeah. last time. Yeah. Because I said to you, so you last time I was on the podcast, you, we were talking about Jacksonville because actually this was like COVID, huh? Yeah, I was in my. I remember I was in my parents' basement. You were, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, You're like, oh yeah, we have the footage. I remember it really well. We have yeah, the footage. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, but <laughs> I um, no, because I'm I'm doing Jacksonville in the winter. Oh yeah, and I, the thing I always remember about Jacksonville is that it's religious. Like it's the only place I've ever gotten complaints. Yeah, like legitimate yeah. complaints. Like. People going on Ticketmaster being like, I was really wish that he hadn't said this about Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> all right, sorry. But it's like me. Right, it's, it's, it's you, yeah, I wish you hadn't said that. But like, but then you said that your Jacksonville story was that, is that some a woman came up to you and basically said about it, of Islam, we don't do that here. Yeah, we don't, honey, we don't do that here. But she said it like, yeah, the air wasn't conducive for Muslim yeah, life yeah, forms. Yeah. yeah, 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 like we just, we wish we could. We can't grow it. I think put that in too. That was the same show. I don't know if I told you this part, but I was wearing this shirt that kind of had like an abstract looking rainbow on it. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you this part? She, no. so, so, so this other woman comes up to me after the show and she's so, she, she like, she loved the show and she grabs me by the arm and she goes, thank you for wearing that shirt. We're taking the rainbow back. <laughs> like... Like, like that I, you know, said I like women and she was just like, you are bringing like, like, like there's a fight for the rainbow. From pride? Yeah. And it was, yeah. Who, who is taking it back? Me and her. (laughs) (laughs) In her mind. You and her are taking the rainbow back because you're wearing a rainbow on your shirt. And, and that I. From pride. In her mind we had formed this alliance to take the rainbow back. but And the shirt was like kind of an abstract rainbow. Like it, right. it took me a really long time to understand We're what was happening. Taking that back. Yeah. Wow. So Jacksonville. Jacksonville is- Yeah, yeah. There's I, a reason Cat Williams opens with 25 minutes on Jacksonville <laughs> and it's special. It's a wild place. <laughs> the uh, So I want to do a slow round question, which is um, what's a song that makes you cry? This is gonna be embarrassing, but no, it's not embarrassing. I own it. Any of Death Cab for Cuties albums mm. get me into it, dude. Like pop on pretty much any of them. I'm in. Like I'm back in my like 13 year old emo yeah. New Jersey fall jacket. Leaves are falling. Girl didn't talk to me. Pop on Death Cab. Get home early, otherwise I'll get yelled at. <laughs> I get that. I'm in. Like it's trans. It transports me. Yeah. Yeah. That whole Zach Braff 
Garden State soundtrack has that kind of energy that vibe. to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that vibe. Super I mean, it's, it's, garden, it's New Jersey. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just New Jersey stuff. And that's something, yeah, that, um, you know, as an adult, I've been told many times, turn off your New Jersey music. I'm trying to think of a specific Death Cab song. I mean, where, where do you want? Well, the Transatlanticism album is amazing. And there's the track, Transatlanticism. Yeah. I'm about to listen to it right now when I, when I leave oh, here. Oh, wow. Just because it's now in my mind. I haven't listened to it probably for a couple of years because I don't want to cry. But after this podcast, yeah, I'm going to want to cry. Okay. Should I just run out now just so I can <laughs> yes. have an experience for the story? <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm, like, I'm like, now. Um, do you remember an inauthentic version of yourself? What was like the least Rami Rami there ever was? Like what I age? Mean, I would say 20 to 26. There was like this like six-year period where it was like I moved to L.A., you know, when you're inauthentic, you're not inauthentic all the time. It's like, you're just like, I think I was just so afraid and kind of like ill-equipped to deal with life. And because, uh, you know, I was living at home and then all of a sudden I moved to LA for a job. I had never lived on my own. Like I, I literally, it sounds so stupid, but you know, when you're like 19, 20, if you've lived at home, you didn't go away to college, you yeah. didn't do anything like... I had never really done like my own supermarket shopping by myself, right. you know? And so I was really... Yeah, I really was like not myself. Like I think I was, I was scared and I was, you know, it's funny, even when you're being inauthentic, you are being who you are when you are, you're being your lower self. Yeah. So there's actually something authentic yes. about your, you know, you're just, you're just being your lower self. That's and right. so it's like, I was my lower self for more than I'd like for that early 20s, you know, and then and then I think towards the end of my 20s, I started to be like, oh, wait, I could balance this out. That part of me, you know, is not all who I am. Like I could actually maybe be better. We were literally talking about this in the studio today about yeah. how if you have a sense of humor about yourself, yeah, in some ways it's a huge strength because yeah. you're admitting that sometimes you're a zero. Yes. And sometimes you're a 10. Exactly. And sometimes you're any number in between. Yeah. But like all those things can be true. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, your inauthentic version of yourself is like, I think for me, it's like you know, 16 through 25 kind of thing. Like I yeah. was just like intermittently a zero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I look back like so, it's so embarrassing. But the, And that guy shows up sometimes if you're like really hungry or you're in traffic yeah. or like- you're underslept or like whatever. That like, guy you shows know, up and he's late. He shows up. <laughs> but like, I, I've learned to like love that part of myself genuinely because yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad to know you exist because you definitely allow me to appreciate when I'm not being you, right? It's like, I really like, it's like to not have to be in that mood all the time yeah. makes the other parts feel like a really sunny day. It's really you sweet. Don't, you don't know a sunny day if you didn't, if it didn't rain. So, you, so it's just you literally and I, you and I had a text exchange when I was in London because you were like, "How are? How's London?" And I was like, "I'm depressed. I'm away yeah. from my family. It's really hard." And you were like, "It's good for you because the contrast and the experience of going through it will make you savor it when you come back." Contrast has just been my favorite thing to think about lately. Yeah. It's like some really you know things happening in the world really mess, and you're like. All right, like that means 
something at some point is going to feel really sweet. Hopefully, yeah. You know, like it's it's there has to be contrast. The equal and opposite. Yeah, uh, it will exist also. Working It Out is brought to you in part by Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. On each episode of The Big Flop, comedians join Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? There are some great guests on the show. Sam Sanders, Ron Funches, Rachel Dratch, a whole bunch of other people I really like. Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who are hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Other recent topics, Millie Vanilli, the XFL, and Woodstock 1999. Follow the Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Working It Out is brought to you in part by Helix Mattresses. Helix Mattresses is one of our original sponsors. We all love Helix Mattresses. I just love the convenience of it. Showed up in a box, took it out, it's ready to go. Uh, The temperature control of it's great. There's certain mattresses that make you hot or sweaty, but it's a very temperature-controlled mattress. It's one of the things. Enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And it's exactly what it does. I think it's kind of amazing. There are models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief. If you sleep on your side, there are models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. People, are you with me? Get your best sleep while Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. It's their best offer yet. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. No, now. I'm going to get to some material. Um... These are some. These are just things I wrote in the notebook. And yeah. if you have stuff that you wrote down, you know, yeah. feel free to throw it out. I wrote this down this week. This is oh, this I think has a shot, which is I was at a cafe and I had to use their bathroom. And my problem with using the bathroom key at a cafe is that there's a ninety nine percent chance it was just touched by someone who just used the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If if someone said to me like here, hold this big hunk of wood that moments ago was held by someone who went to the bathroom and then wiped their ass, I would say, no thank you, this proposition. <laughs> That's really <laughs> And funny. somehow we're like, give me the key. Yeah, give, give me, me the key. Just give me the, because you got to go so bad. Yeah. And That's really funny. Yeah, I thought that was worth throwing. No, it is worth it. Mix. Well, it also, it, it reminds me of like, I, I realized that I, um, you know, sometimes you go to the bathroom, you got to poop in public, which is obviously a very difficult position Awful. to ever be in. But I, you know, I check if there's four stalls, like I, I'm looking at each one and essentially like what I'm trying to gauge is like, which one will allow me to most successfully pretend I'm the first person to use it today? <laughs> like, that's what I'm looking that for. Like a I'm very looking, sophisticated thought. Like I'm looking for one that's so pristine that Wait. I can be like, they just clean this. You know, like it didn't, it did, nothing's happened here yet. You Wait. know, like, like that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. Wait, so talk me through the logic again. Yeah. So when you walk in, you see four stalls, you go, you open each. Well, I open each one and I'm looking for the one that just looks so fresh that I could 
convince myself it's a lie. I'm the first one to use it. Yeah, we're all lying to ourselves. I'm always, you're always lying. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's just I need it's that like lie. Fa- it's like this fairy tale about the yeah. public restrooms oh, that yeah. no one has used it today. No, like I've created the dude who just left. Like I, like I heard a sound of some wheels. And I'm like, oh, that was probably just his cart. He just left, and like, <laughs> like he just mopped it. You know, like I'll do whatever it takes, and then I still go in and I like wipe <laughs> it down a little oh bit. Oh my gosh, yes. I, I, yeah, I've definitely cleaned public toilets, like for myself, but also you to pay what? it forward a little bit. I think that it's like an undiscussed truism of society that we're all kind of wiping down public toilets all the time. Like it's part of our day somehow. Of course. course. And it's not fair. And it feels- Dude, but there's a relationship to bacteria (laughs) that I think as a New Yorker, you have- so uniquely, like, like, and I think it's why Egyptians are so comfortable in 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 New York because you have the same agreement in Cairo. Like, there are these really densely populated city places where the way you deal with bacteria and just keep rolling with it is so much different than other places. Yeah. Like, like you know, if, if you know, I was in Houston for a little bit, and I'm just like, I actually don't have to touch anything. I don't yes. have to touch. I don't. I can just get in the car. The traffic's never really that bad. Right. I could just like if I need to poop, I could probably go poop at where I'm staying and like not deal with any like like right. really like but being in New York, it's just like you make a deal. Cause yeah. you know, you're gonna be on the, on the subway, you're gonna move around, you're just gonna do whatever, yeah. you're gonna come home. You don't always take your pants off before you go to bed. You don't know, like or right. sit on the bed or right? right. it's just everywhere. Right. You know, it really is so we're no, you're absolutely right. We're just coping with, you know. So why do we do it? I I don't I think just from like movies in the seventies, like, <laughs> like all these movies, just like I think it was they just like New York us. streets, like shot on like beautiful film, right? Like I think that's why right. we're here. We're here because of 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 Scorsese and and Cassavetes and yeah yeah and Nora Ephron somehow yeah. like like yeah you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's crazy. <laughs> No, it's truly crazy. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's like... It makes no sense. It makes no sense. You have like a street with like nine trees on it and you're like, oh my God, I'm in the jungle. You know, like oh, this know. is... Gorgeous. This is Beautiful. This is, you know... Literally, yeah. Is this a rainforest? And you're like, bro, this is fucking <laughs> nine trees. Like, what the hell? Um, just go like, just go to Jersey. Um, do you have anything you're working on? Oh, this is like a... Ha- this is like only for... This is a joke for you. Okay. It's actually I like it because we I live two blocks that. away from yeah. each other. I guess there's just this thing about being like living in Brooklyn and the energy that is here, and you go to coffee shops. That like when I go to the Home Depot that's over here, I'm shocked at like the men being men. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so like I'm, like I walk into that Home Depot and all of a sudden I'm like, do I need a gun? Like, do I yeah, need yeah. to own a gun? Yeah, yeah. And I can't believe it's this close. Yeah. Because everyone at the coffee shop I go to is trans. So right. I'm just like, they don't, how do these people, how right. is everyone 15 minutes within each other? Right. Like I'm, I it's go a small to- place. Yeah, and I go to Home Depot and I'm like, is this allowed? Right. Like, can you be like this? No, New York City is <laughs> really- a wild landscape yeah. of a lot of different types of people living in an extraordinarily space. I love it though. Space. Yeah. It's why I, I think, love it. I think it's why- to you know, this goes back to our New York conversation earlier. Yeah, it's the reason why people are here. It is people, why people are people here. like the fact that that, that it's an absurdly diverse population. It is. It's. It's why like you bring up any. It's like the amount of people who I deal with in the neighborhood who are different race, 
who are trans, who are different language, who do all these things. You have people who be like saying hateful things, this and that. I'm like, well, you've never met them. Like I live in New York. I've met everybody. Like I've actually met everybody because I live in New York. Right. Like, and and it makes it so much harder to have a non-human opinion of anybody. I think you're like, you're like, nah. Like I, I have. Like I have real connections with anyone who you think is just like a like a political point. I, I guess that's why I like like being here outside of the seventies. No, movies. and I think that that's and that's why you know that's why I I think that's why people raise children here too. It's because yeah. you're like you want your kid to see everything, to see everything, and do everything. Yeah, because otherwise you end up like you're saying, like you were saying earlier, you end up seeing depictions of things in film and TV. And that's it's like it. Not actually what it's like. How old will you wait? For your daughter to be to let her go on the subway. Oh, on her Alone. own? Yeah. Yeah, like 25. <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest with you, Rami. These are my feelings. This is my special. It's called feelings. It's 25 years old. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I grew up in New York, but I have a very, you know, like you're the most, you're actually the most Arab dad I've ever yeah, met. Yeah, like yeah, I exactly. know. Like, Ask Jenny. Jenny will be like that 30. Be, dude, that should be the name of your special. <laughs> Mike Birbiglia, Arab dad. You're the Arab dad. You're the Arab yeah, dad. Yeah. Dude. You know how fast my career would end if I called my special the Arab dad? No, just tell people I said it was okay. <laughs> I'm like trying and to pro- tank you. Produced no, no, by no, Rami no. Youssef and it's like over the title in 40 font. <laughs> it's much bigger than my name. <laughs> You're like, dude, you know how you said uh, I could call it Arab Dad. You want to produce it so people know? I'd be like, nah, dude, just, it's okay. Just tell people I said you could. You're like, dude, you're trying to, you're trying to tank me. You're tr- no, no. I, <laughs> all right, what do we got? Well, I don't know what else I got, man. Oh, I was like, this is like a, um, I was trying to figure out what I was afraid of with AI. Um, and it's not like, it's like, I know I can write, you know, like, so, 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 so I'm not even, wor- like, I, I just have this fear that um, conservatives will get like really good at making movies. Oh my God, that's so funny. Because <laughs> it's like up until now, like, <laughs> like, 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 like for whatever, like, you know, like, I don't know, like for whatever reason, like, like right. for up until now, only for liberals could, only liberals could liberals finish a script. Seem to be able, they to, just seem to be able to finish scripts yeah, yeah. and like and make it work. Yeah. But then, so because it's like, um, yeah, like this country, you know. Brokeback Mountain changed this country's view uh, of, you know, gay people in a really meaningful way, right? Where people were like, thought they were seeing a Western and then they were like, oh wait, like I just saw this relationship. So I was just like, you know, and that's like, that's because Jake Gyllenhaal loved that script. And so I could be like, what if Gyllenhaal, like just, what if you can get him to love a script that you wouldn't want him to love? And Um, then he's just playing this like ice agent, you know? And you're just like- And and it's he's so good that you're like yeah maybe everyone should stay where they were born. That's the that's a great that's a great concept. Well, that's the, I think that's the unspoken about the like liberals and Hollywood is like no no those are the people who've done well like yeah. it's not there's not something where it's like if a conservative moved to Hollywood and wrote Goodwill Hunting mm. people wouldn't be like I don't know he is a Republican no, no exactly no way exactly. It's just not how it is. Hollywood is very capitalistic. Of course. People want- No, if it makes the money, like we'll do it. People want to make a lot of money in that town. It's part of the reason why I don't live there. (laughs) No, it's like, (laughs) you feel it when you're there. And and that's why I've always felt, yeah, it's like, that's why I guess what was, you know, 
the empathy you need to understand human beings to write a script that pops usually will then lead you to probably disassemble whatever political view you think is like so strong. And then yeah. I think it kind of ends up having someone be like, well, yeah, let's just let everyone do what they want. And they end up being liberal, like right. for the most part. But then AI comes in and now it's just like, hey, right. write me. Well, then it's like, well, write, write <laughs> a know, movie like, in the spirit of James Cameron, except... The people, the, the people are it's it's the the they are uh, getting rid of the abortion clinic. That's right, you know, and then that's and then and then it's you know, a tearjerker. The and people the are like, it's good. good. You're kind of like, leaders on board. I mean, and, you get you get yeah. these great actors, and yeah. all of a sudden you're like, who's to say when a life who's starts? To say? Who's to say? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Please don't excerpt this out of context. <laughs> um, hold on, let me see if I have anything else that is. Oh, I have something in the in the uh, hardware thing, which is Jenny and I have increasingly like realized as adults that we just don't know anything. <laughs> like we don't know about plumbing, we don't nothing, know about nothing I know. you know and we're like we don't understand heat, we don't understand plumbing, <laughs> we don't understand electric and I feel like we're at this point we're currently looking for a throuple. Yeah, <laughs> we're 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 going to technical colleges. We're sit like, is there anybody who could complete? We're looking to fill some holes in the lineup. <laughs> or it's like, it's it's like we both realized we we need a husband. We do. <laughs> no, we need a husband. <laughs> like, we both realized. We recently realized that we we need a husband. We need a husband. That's very funny. You know, I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good tag. We need a husband. Yeah, yeah like, that's what it is. It's like yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, do you ever have a realization? Do you ever see yourself from your wife's eyes and go like, oof, she got a doozy? Yeah. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> yeah. Especially when it comes to certain things like that, where it's like, you know, stuff would happen when I was a kid and my dad just like pulls out the toolbox. Oh, there your was, dad was good. Yeah. There was one time we were, something was going on. I didn't even know what could be done, but I was like, all right maybe if there's a toolbox in front of me, I'm going to improvise something. Right. Because I have that kind of belief in myself. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know what's going oh, on, I but just that. put the tools in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll make something happen. But then I, and that, but then I had to like ask my wife where the toolbox was. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know. She knows. She uses it. I oh, don't. Wow. She's like really handy. Her dad is an engineer. Oh, wow. So it's like, she, yeah, I, I was really embarrassed. I was like, where's the tools? And then she was like, what do you... I could see it in her eyes. She was like, what are you even going to do with them? <laughs> it was like, why are you asking you to like the just, same dilemma. To just like learn about the house and where things are? Because like you're not going to use them. Our wives both need a husband. They need a husband. Yeah. We yeah. should get a guy for both of us. We like, we live close enough to each other. Oh yeah. That's a great idea. Let's see. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> literally like thinking like, oh, that's really smart. Just have a dude. The final thing we do is working it out for a cause. And if you're if there's a nonprofit that you think is doing a good job, I'll contribute to them. We'll link to them in the show notes. Oh, amazing. There's um I did a charity show with the they're called the Karam Foundation, and they are giving like the best on the ground aid for everyone in Turkey and in Syria that were affected by the floods and the earthquakes. That's great. Um which to me is just like it's a that's like a climate charity yeah. in the sense that it's you know they're so affected by what's been going on there. Okay. Uh, so yeah, been doing some shows with them. 
karamfoundation.org, yeah. K-A-R-A-M foundation.org. We'll yeah. contribute to them. We'll link to them in the show notes. We'll encourage others to contribute as well. Rami, thanks for coming on the show. Dude. You're the best. So fun doing it in person, man. The best. Dude. All right. This is my first handshake across the table. Really? Yeah, I think so. Because it felt like you were going for it at first. That's how I felt felt compelled to touch you. And then, but I've never had that. This is nice. This isn't even really a handshake. Your hand is so much bigger than mine, actually. It's really weird. It's. it's, No, it's okay. I'm used to it. What I'll I'll say is is this. You are, when I think of you... (laughs) When I think is ridiculous. When I think of you, it makes me feel warm because I think that you're funny in your bones and you're funny in a way that is like it just um, it just makes me happy. And now we're bone to bone right here. And now we're bone I'm to touching bone. Touching your knuckle right here. Yeah, I like it. This is come on, come on. Working it out because it's not done. Working it out because there's no. That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. Always love talking to Rami Youssef. Uh, he is on tour doing stand-up. Pittsburgh, Vancouver, Calgary, Philly, Stanford, D.C. Again, you can follow him on Instagram at Rami, R-A-M-Y. And you can get the full video of this interview on my YouTube page, which is at Mike Berbiglia. Check that out and subscribe because we're going to be posting more and more videos of these episodes. Don't miss that. Um, join my mailing list at Berbigs.com. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salomon and Joseph Berbiglia, associate producer Mabel Lewis, consulting producer Seth Barish, assistant producer Gary Simons, sound mix by Ben Cruz, supervising engineer Kate Belinsky. Special thanks to Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall, as well as David Raphael and Nina Quick. As always, my consigliere, Mike Berkowitz, and Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. Special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. Special thanks, as always, to my daughter, Una, who built the original radio fort made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who are listening. If you enjoy the show, please rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts. It helps us so much. It helps us reach other people who don't know about the show. We have so many people who say... I didn't even know you had a podcast. I've listened, I've watched all your specials. I've listened to your albums. I didn't even know you had a podcast. So here it is. Uh, tell your friends, tell your enemies. Maybe you run into your enemy at a Home Depot. Maybe you're picking up some tools for your significant other to fix something around the house and you run into your enemy and you say, hey, while you're looking at those wrenches, maybe consider this podcast that I enjoy called Working It Out. And and then and then they'll like it. And then maybe you'll you'll both enjoy one of those hot dogs they have outside the Home Depot where they sell the hot dogs. Anyway, thanks for, thanks for being here. I'll see you next time. <laughs>